Welcome back. And if you're here listening, thank you for listening. I hope that everyone is finding some level of joy in their lives right now. However hard it may be. Um, Things are getting rough out there, but wherever there's something awful happening, there's good stuff too. It's just harder to see. So I hope that people look for something good that's happening right now. But I wanted to get into the necessity of war in context to what's going on now by examining the previous wars that got us to where we are today. Now, there has been oppression all throughout history. In every demographic, on every continent, on every every country, every culture has had some form of oppression. Um, and we tend to fixate on the negative portions of this. And it's inherently not good to focus only on one side of the issue. There's more to it. Because even though there's always been oppression, there has always been individuals who have risen up to fight against it. And those are the good parts of history that we need to learn from also. We learn from both good and bad. But I want to start with biological warfare. Because it's not a new concept. It's happened before. And I'm going to talk about biological warfare in the United States before it was the United States. My country of origin is the USA. And I feel like it's good to start with your root history first and then branch out to understand your roots. And then you begin to understand other cultures. So the slave trade in North America... Historians feel that they managed to narrow it down to at least 1619, or at least that's the first documentation that came about that proved the timeline. Because historians have to go by documents that they actually discovered, you know, that had dates on it, usually from correspondence, letters, and uh, things of that nature. But they started the slave trade in or around 1619, And Great Britain was importing slaves from Africa and Ireland at the time. So they were going and they were collecting people from Africa and then they were going and collecting people from Ireland and they were bringing them over here and they were selling them to the colonialists that lived here. Now, at the same time, around the same period, British colonialists wanted to push further west and... The French had already claimed the territory known as Canada. So they were above us. You know, they were north of us. But in order to push further west, the British colonialists gifted blankets that were infested by smallpox to the indigenous people who lived here. And they were able to determine that this was accurate from documentation they found from a Sir Geoffrey Amherst, who was the commander-in-chief of the British forces. He had, they had found correspondence that he'd written to one of his subordinates, detailing how it was effective to push further out by ridding the land of the indigenous people, which is also a travesty, I think we can all agree. So... 
At the same time that British colonialists were trying to push further west, there was rebellion that was always springing up in the different colonies. And George Washington was appointed general to spearhead the rebel revolution and fight the British because of taxation without representation, but there was more to it. You know, they were taxing us, but it wasn't going back into our communities or anything like that. And I say our because we're all Americans. You know, I, I, I don't want to get that confused. I do, this is America. I live here. If you immigrated here and you were born here or however you came to be, if you're an American, you're an American. This is our history. So they started to rebel against Great Britain and the forces that they had over here. And the war started, really started in 1775 and lasted until 1783. So it went much further than 1776. I think everybody just cuts that off. Oh, that was the Declaration of Independence and it was over. Nope, it lasted longer than that. And we had help from the French. The French were helping us with, you know, weaponry and supplies and things of that nature because they didn't want the British to have control over North America. And Great Britain had rule over many, many countries and extremely oppressive. And that goes along with the hierarchy of, you know, royalty. Um, but the, the French didn't want the British to have control any more than, you know, George Washington and all of his supporters. So they were fighting the British. And in 1776, George Washington, along with all the other founding fathers, we've all heard this term, wrote the Declaration of Independence. And I want to read it and put it in terms that, that make sense to us today. It says, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with a certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure, secure these rights... Governments are instituted among men, deriving their, their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundation to such principles, and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Now, I want to spend a little time on that. Now, the part where it says all men. So, at this time, our language had not evolved enough to really have uh, pronouns in official documentation. It means they didn't decipher uh, women or different ethnic groups. They just said all men. And it meant mankind. I would also like to point out that it was the responsibility of keeping an honest and just government was actually placed upon the people. And it was our job to make sure that our officials were doing what they were supposed to do. And, and people were very active in politics for a long time. You know, they, they made sure they knew what was going on. They talked to their representatives. And it was much more active. And obviously the population was a lot lower at this point. So it was easier, in a lot of ways, for them to probably negotiate on some of the standard issues at the time, which the, the issues at that time were complicated for our evolutionary state. 
at that moment. Um, and, I, and there were always abolitionists that didn't want slavery. They thought it was wrong and, and they fought against it. But that movement didn't really pick up until later on. But the forethought that was put into our Declaration of Independence, which is really our most, that's our bedrock. That's our most sacred law. The Declaration of Independence states that we have the ultimate control over how our government is ran. We choose our officials. We choose how the, we choose the policies, and and in a lot of terms, we've gotten away from that. You know, we've kind of become complacent, and we stop paying attention to the policies our elected officials were writing. And as you move on throughout history after the Declaration of Independence and, you know, they started writing the Bill of Rights and our amendments and all of that, which are all great principles. People really should go and read them and put them in context that isn't biased. You know, people tend to twist, and we all do this, everybody does this. Depending on what your beliefs are, you try to twist the narrative to make you justified in your emotional state or your actions. Which is really the wrong thing to do. Um, you know, I'm okay with people having a belief system. What I find to be not okay is when we use our belief system to justify uh, harm to others that didn't deserve it. So as we move past the Declaration of Independence and, and Great, Britain, Great Britain conceded they weren't going to fight us anymore. They decided it, was, it wasn't worth the battle. You know, it was costing them too much time and too much money and too much energy, and they just saw that it just wasn't worth fighting. So they signed their treaties, and they decided they weren't going to be at war anymore. Now, I want to stress the necessity of war. The only time we should ever go to war is if we're fighting to preserve our lives, our liberty, our freedom, and equality. Those are the only times we should be going to war. We should never be going to war to make money, to steal someone else's land, to get revenge, really. I, th these are not justifiable reasons to go to war, as far as I'm concerned. And we should really all feel this way, because war is so unnecessary in this day and age, unless our life, our liberty, our freedom, or our equality is, is threatened. Now, after the Declaration of Independence, the Democratic party was formed. Our first actual political party um, was formed 45 years afterwards. It was formed in 1828 after the Declaration of Independence and it was formed by supporters of Andrew Jackson. So it, it's, it's one of the oldest active political parties that's still in play today. Now obviously several year, years later in uh, 1854 um, the Republican Party was formed. And it was formed in opposition of the Kansas-Nebraska Act. Now, this act uh, wanted to expand slavery into the Western territories, and they weren't for it. They didn't want that. They weren't for slavery or anything of the sort. And Lincoln was then later elected as the first Republican president into Congress. Um, and then slavery, obviously, we went to war. And the Civil War was pretty horrendous. We lost the most American lives in the Civil War because we were fighting each other. 
And again, this is another time. It's a justifiable reason to go to war because it's about life, liberty, freedom, equality. So Lincoln wanted to free the slaves. He wanted to abolish it throughout the United States. He didn't want slavery anymore. And the Confederacy was fighting over that, but not in the context that people know. So the Confederacy, yes, they wanted to be able to keep their slaves, which is not good. Obviously, we can state that that is a really bad ideology. Uh, owning a human being is wrong. I'm just going to state that openly. Whoever came up with that, I hope they're rotting in hell. But the Confederacy felt that the separation between federal and state needed to stand. Meaning they didn't want the federal government that was forming at the time, you know, to dictate how they were going to live their lives. You know, they felt it was government overreach to say that we're going to abolish slavery. Um, which we should always fight government overreach, but it has to be in the right context. You know, obviously everybody's glad that slavery was abolished. You know, I don't feel that that was a fair overreach, but to, for them, where they were at, at their evolutionary state, they felt it was overreach. Now, the Civil War was pretty horrendous. I mean, whole families broke apart and brothers killed each other and it, it was pretty horrific. You know, we were, we were killing our neighbors and our friends and, and it, was, it was a moment in time that I hope that we never get back to because it, it's one thing to talk about Civil War it's another thing to actually go through that and actually have that state of actively killing fellow Americans over our differing beliefs. It's a whole new level. And I believe there's ways that we can avoid that if we all just stopped fighting about the wrong things. But, and a lot of people don't even realize, so Lincoln wanted to free the slaves, but people don't realize either... He wanted to deport them, too. He wanted to go through and collect all of the African Americans that were here that had been sold into slavery, you know. And a lot of them, they weren't even, a lot of them were actually born here at this point because slavery started in the early 1600s as far as historians can tell. So, obviously, the people that were here at the time that were African Americans weren't actually not all of them. Some of them were still being brought in on boats, but a lot of them were actually born here. So they were technically United States citizens at this point because they were born here. But Lincoln wanted to deport them all. And his reasoning for that was not malicious in intent. His reasoning behind it was the fact that they didn't want to come here. They were essentially sold by their own country and perpetrated by Great Britain you know, because Great Britain provided a way for slaves to come over here and they paid Africa for these people. And they thought, you, you know, Lincoln had the, the whole premise that, well, they didn't ask to come here. They probably want to go home. I mean, that was his thought process. It wasn't that, oh, we should deport them all because they should go away. No, it was about, well, you didn't ask to be brought here, so we should do you the favor and send you home. But when they actually looked further into it, most African Americans that were living here at the time didn't want to go back because even though they were in slavery here, their own country was worse in a lot of ways. 
you know, Africa is one of the worst ones for human trafficking, even today, you know, and it's pretty horrendous over there. I encourage everyone to look at world news, not just our news. You know, there's horrible stuff going all all around the world. But, and it's, Africa's got a long history of this. So do all, a lot of other places. You know, nobody's absolved of sin. So pointing fingers at previous generations and saying that we're all guilty for that now, I think that needs to stop because um, there's nothing we can do about the past except learn from it. So Lincoln wanted to deport them all and they ended up staying here. Which, you know, it, it actually increased our stability because now they were free. They could have regular jobs and they could work and everything. Well, they couldn't have. I mean, there were still some limitations because we hadn't quite reached the point of the civil rights movement quite yet. But they had jobs and they paid taxes and it started to stabilize the economy over here. Because a free people is free to have a job and pay taxes and contribute to their communities. But after the abolishment of slavery in the United States, you know, obviously Lincoln was assassinated, which is a tragedy. But I find that if you're a threat to anything that's corrupt, they'll figure out a way to get rid of you. And we've seen that quite a bit in history. But, you know, segregation was still a thing. You know, there were still areas of town that were predominant, you know, had to be black and the rest of it was white and... That whole segregation thing took place after, you know, abolishing slavery, which really doesn't make sense if you think about it. We abolished slavery, but then, and I mean we as Americans, because this is our culture, this is what happened. But we abolished slavery, but then we told them, well, you can only live here. Well, that's still a form of oppression, you know, but I think it speaks to our evolutionary path. I mean... The reason the United States is unique is because we actually have progressed a lot faster than a lot of countries have. We have. And I think this gets lost in translation and it gets diluted because it doesn't fit the narrative that we're inherently evil. When, you know, if you take the average human being and you dissect them, no one person is all good and they're not all bad. You know, we have flaws and, and we make mistakes and we hurt people sometimes very unintentionally and sometimes it's, it is intentional. But no one person is all good or all bad. People that are all bad, it's like, you know, they're sociopaths and it's an anomaly. It's not the norm. It's just like, I believe the majority of people on this planet, the majority of our species wants peace. I don't believe that the vast majority of human beings living on this planet want to be at war and kill each other unnecessarily. I don't. I, I feel like it's a survival necessity, but it's it's not at this point. You know, the only reason we should ever go to war is if if our survival's on the line. If there's something so oppressive that it has the capacity to potentially wipe us out, that's when we should be going to war. You know, that's when we take a stand. That's the, that, that in itself is the necessity of war. You never just go to war because you want oil or you want somebody else's stuff or, you know, any of those reasons. It's, it's to protect our life, our liberty, our happiness, and our equality. Those are all the reasons to go to war. Anything else is unacceptable. And the United States was unique in the sense that 
our evolutionary path was actually rapidly evolving much faster than other countries. I mean, if you if you really go down throughout the history, you know, it's like Great Britain had rule over so many countries for so long and they were extremely oppressive. And I, I don't blame anybody that lives in Great Britain now. It's just part of their history. Um, you know, they, they own Ireland and Scotland for a long time. And they, I mean, there was many resistance that formed out of both those countries that were fighting for their freedom. You know, Great Britain was very oppressive on in places, uh, India, Australia is another one, where Great Britain had a severe overreach. And a lot of that comes from the fact that the people could never choose their leader. You know, it was always a ruler that was appointed because they had a bloodline to somebody that had money. You know, somebody that was already in power had children and the children just took over. And that logic makes no sense to me whatsoever. None. Because your bloodline doesn't make you a good leader. We should all know by this point that a good leader's leadership needs to be earned. And what I mean by that is you need to illustrate and demonstrate to the people that you want to lead that you have their best interests at mind. You know, you're not going to just do whatever you want. You're not power hungry. You're not greedy. You want to be a leader of the people for the people, which means policies that you write are for only the good of the people. That's it. You don't go into a leadership position because you're power hungry because you you want to make all these back alley deals, you know, you just want to be in control of a population. That's that's not why people should be elected leaders. And when you have a leader that basically just inherited a country, you never see any sense of equality. Cuz I I mean people that inherit great riches and wealth in the form of like country and all of that. I mean the royal family, I mean it's a prime example. They're so out of touch with real people. I mean, they've never been, have they ever gone without anything ever? Never. They don't know what it's like to go without. They don't know what it's like to go hungry. They can't connect with their own population that they're getting rich off of. And we should never have a leader in power that hasn't earned that position and hasn't earned that right to be in a leadership position. You know, we choose our leaders because we think that they want to do good for us as a whole. Not just their own little agenda. Because that's when things get perverse. Because there's great things about our system. There is. It's like, you know, we have our Declaration of Independence that states quite clearly that if our government ever gets to the point where it's a threat to our liberty and our freedom, and I think we can all agree across the board that there's been some severe overreach recently. You know, it's been brewing for quite a few decades now. But it's just to the point now where it's so in our faces, we can't pretend like it's not happening anymore. And this is the part where we all have to be accountable for our own actions. If you look at it, the only reason our government has been allowed to get to any level of corruption is because we all became very complacent. And what I mean by that is, is we all became so focused on our own stuff, you know, our own lives, our own burdens, our own bills, our own, you know, education, our children, our lives... We stopped paying attention to what the policymakers were doing. We did. We, came, we, we became very lazy and complacent. 
And we should have been paying attention this whole time and really questioning the whys. Well, well why did this pass? And what are the connotations behind it? <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and what are the reasonings behind it? Because I think it's come to a place where we all agree that some serious changes need to be made. But the only way we get to this place is that if, if we look at our fellow Americans, okay, and I'm talking about people in opposition. If you're a Democrat, go talk to a conservative and with an open mind. If you're a conservative, reach out to a Democrat. Stop looking at each other as enemies because we identify with a certain party because they have policies we more so agree with. And I don't even think that it's we're disagreeing with policies anymore. It's just that we're all so angry. We voted one way or another because we were pissed off at the other side. And none of us ever stopped to really question the anger. And that's an art of war too. You know, if you want to control people, make sure they're divided. Because if you can divide them... They'll never rise up against you. And that's the reality of that situation. You know, we've been, we've, we've bought into the propaganda on both sides of the fence. Uh, we believe the lies that we've been fed about individuals that we've, uh, some people we've known all of our lives that we thought were, oh, these are really great people. And then you realize that their beliefs are different from you and all of a sudden they're bad. But why? Because we're all entitled to our own belief system. We are. You, you, every single person has the inherent right to believe whatever they want to believe, you know, whether you believe in God or spirituality or you're agnostic or you're atheist or whatever. You're entitled to that belief. And it's not anyone else's job to tell you you're wrong for having that belief. It's when we push our beliefs on another human being to the point where it's oppressive. If you push another person and bully them, and berate them, and make them feel they're lesser than because they don't have the same beliefs of you, congratulations, you're an oppressor. It's just the reality of it. That's oppressive mentality, and we need to get away from that. What we need to do is we need to find commonality on the issues that we can handle and we can look at objectively. You know, it's like, I and, and I'm going to talk about it for a minute. Third-term abortion is not a necessity, it's not because we should be looking at it from an angle of like, how do we approach this where it's preventative? Because they've done all kinds of scientific studies that prove definitively that babies feel pain in the womb. And if they can feel pain in the womb, why are we going to pass third term abortions? And we need to look at adoption laws, too, because the offset of that is, is OK, if we're going to try to address an issue. What positive preventative measures can we take? Because if you want to adopt a baby that's actually a U.S. citizen, they make it almost impossible. That's why you see so many people trying to adopt out of country. Because it's actually cheaper. Which is stupid. You know, babies in other countries need, need families too. But there's so many children right here in our own country that would probably absolutely love to go to a wonderful, loving home. But they make it so expensive here in the United States to adopt a, an American baby that most couples that were really wonderful parents and they'd love the child to the moon and back can't afford to adopt. So we need to reassess the situation involving children altogether because children are the our single greatest prize and possession. And they should be honored and they should be protected at all costs. Our children are everything. And we've gotten away from that. 
And we need to bring focus back to the things that are actually important because we're too focused on the things that really are not that important. You know, we're, we're so angry at each other over things. And I can't even tell them all right now. But I think the single biggest issue is we've tried to absolve ourselves of individual responsibility here on a lot of levels. Like, for example, if you feel that you are superior or better than anyone else because of your skin tone, uh, congratulations, you're a supremacist. Plain and simple. And, and if you think or feel this way, I highly encourage you to seek out help. Because not liking another human being or hating another human being or thinking you're better than another human being because of their skin tone is inherently wrong. None of that is okay. Now, if you have negative feelings towards another individual because they've done something horrible to you, which does happen, then you're justifiable in wanting to distance yourself from that person. But you can't just dislike someone because they look different than you or they have different beliefs than you or you just don't understand them. Because just because they're different from you doesn't make them bad. It just means you have to get over your own ignorance to realize that. And that's a big issue. And that's across the board. It doesn't matter, again, what color you are. If you think you're better than anyone else because of your skin pigmentation, you're a supremacist. Congratulations. Now go see a therapist. We need to get over our small-mindedness. And we need to learn how to understand the opposition. Because it's like I was saying about left brain, right brain. We need both sides to have a healthy body, mind, spirit, soul, everything. And that relates to our society as well. We need opposition to make sure that we're living healthy. We need balance. And we're so out of balance right now, nobody even knows what to do about it. But I would venture to guess that the vast majority of just human beings, because we're one species, I would wager to guess that the vast majority of human beings on this planet don't want any of this ugliness that's been going on. I can, I can almost guarantee it. People that want this kind of ugliness, they're out for power or they're anarchists. And anarchists are a whole nother ball game. I'm not even going to waste time on anarchists. But those in power are now a perversion. I'm going to say that again. Those in power are a perversion. Our politicians are a perversion of our system. They have been allowed to do whatever they want for far too long. And we need to collectively, as a society, reach across the aisle from us to our neighbors to those of different beliefs, to those of different political parties, to those that think differently about the issues than we do. And we need to find middle ground. It needs to happen or we're going to kill our species. And and if our species doesn't die, we're going to leave a world for our children that no one will want to live in. Because it's hit new levels at this point. So, 
If you're out there and you're listening and you're somebody that actually cares about finding solutions to these problems, do yourself a favor and go talk to someone on the opposition and try to understand their reasons why they feel the way they do and try to bridge that gap. Look at another human being and say, I know that you have opposing views, but let's talk about those opposing views and find out why we both feel that way. Because our reasons for our views are probably really similar. It boils down to our life, our liberty, and our freedom for everybody. And equality. So if you're out there tonight and you listen to that and you've been tuning in, I appreciate you for listening. And I hope that you get some good information from this. And you go out and you try to talk to someone that's different from you. And try to understand that. And at some point we need to realize that as... A civilization. We've all got to come together to put an end to this. Because at some point, it's going to be the end of us. And I'm not being dramatic. It's not an overreach to say that. We have a moment in time right now. Where we can change the course of our country in a way that we could make it better than what it is now. If we just listen to each other. I want to thank you for tuning in tonight. And if you're out there listening, find something positive tomorrow. And every day after that, look for something positive. Because it's not all hate. And it's not all anger. There's love out there still. We just have to look to find it.